Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We have a special guest that we're going to be interviewing this half hour. Uh, But first, we want to tell you about our voter guide that's available on our website. For those of you in the 15th Congressional District, uh, last week you know that we had a guest on, Mike Carey, who's a candidate for the 15th Congressional District. That also, that radio interview is on our website, as well as the voter guide of those candidates that responded to the Ohio Christian Alliance Candidate Survey. Even if you're not in the 15th, but you want to see the kinds of questions that we're asking the, the candidates at this time, these are critical issues for our country and for our state. And so uh, four of the 11 responded to the Ohio Christian Alliance Candidate Survey. They are in the voter guide. That's being distributed to the 15th Congressional District Special Primary August 3rd. Uh, that seat is open because Steve Stivers, the congressman, stepped down retired early, and uh, those folks need a replacement. So that's what this special primary is all about. Also, the 11th Congressional District, and we're going to hear from Laverne Goer, who is a candidate for that special primary, a little bit this hour. But first of all, I want to also tell you about our upcoming Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet. It's going to be Friday, September 17th. That's Constitution Day on the calendar, and that's going to be at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. Our keynote speaker is going to be Bill Fetter, author and historian. He's going to be talking about socialism and his new book about socialism uh, from Plato all the way to the present day and why we're fighting it in this country now. Well, listen, this is going to be a great evening as we celebrate our 30 years of service to the people of faith in the state of Ohio. You won't want to miss that. You can register for the banquet on our website at ohioca.org. Well, I want to get to our guest. His name is Max Miller. He was a White House staff uh, senior advisor to President Trump from 2016 to 2020. He served all four years. He is a Cleveland native. He is a graduate of Cleveland State University and also a U.S. Uh, Marine uh, reservist as he served us in the U.S. Uh, Marines. And with me on the phone is Max Miller. Max, welcome to the program. Hey, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you, Max, and again, thank you for your service to our country by serving President Trump in those four years in Washington, and I look forward to, to asking you some questions because I think the role that you played, uh, as you and I had coffee, I was very, uh, I'll tell you, very pr- felt very proud as an Ohioan that uh, a fellow Ohioan was able to serve the president in such an important role in the White House. But first of all, let's talk a little bit about your background. You're you're a Clevelander. This is this is home for you. Tell us a, a little bit about yourself. So, yeah, no, I am from Cleveland. I grew up my entire life in northeastern Ohio. Uh, went to high school in, in Shaker, and then I graduated from Cleveland State University. But you know, as I was going through high school and even at Cleveland State. My dad has a menu hat, menu hat manufacturing business on Carnegie uh, called Graffiti, and I would grow up working in his warehouse. And it gave me great insight you know, on just how to be a better person, uh, you know, and how to have my left and right lateral limits in terms of operating and really just seeing, you know, what hard work is really like. I mean, I, I don't know too many individuals who have a work ethic like my father. He wakes up every morning uh, at 4 a.m. and he comes home around 7 or 8. Kind of reminds me of uh, President Donald J. Trump in terms of, 
how he would work every single day. So in terms of being a great role model, uh, both my mother and father were, as they both worked in the business. And then shortly thereafter, graduating from Cleveland State, I enlisted in the Marine Corps uh, in the Reserves after I had my degree. And everyone thought I was crazy because they said, ah, I should be an officer. And you know, I really wanted to serve in the capacity of the infantry. So I enlisted by a six-year active reserve contract to enacted uh, in the infantry. So I went to Paris Island. I uh, did boot camp there. Then I went to SOI Camp Geiger, which is a satellite at Camp Lejeune. And then I reported to my reserve duty. And ever since, uh, right after that, I was going to get my MBA. And my cousin called and you know had an opportunity to, to jump in the political sphere. It's something that I really wanted to do. So I started volunteering at the time for Senator Rubio. Uh, after three months of volunteering, I said, hey, Senator, you got to give me a paycheck. I can't, uh, I, can, you know, I can't keep on doing this for free. And so we did. And just fast forwarding about eight months, I got a phone call from Corey Lewandowski in early 2016. And he said, I, I hear you don't suck at your job, uh, which was a very flattering way of him making me a job offer. And, you know, I flew right up uh, to New York. And, and that's how it started. And in February 2016, I started working from the Trump campaign uh, and I never left. Uh, and then, you know, the president brought me to the White House. And two years in, he made me the youngest director of advance. And this goes to more of your story of what I was able to do. I know a lot of people don't know. It sounds like a fancy title, but really what that job entails. But I took care and oversaw every single trip from about, I'd have to, when I got appointed to be director of advance, I believe it was at some point in 2019, uh, every time the president left uh, the 18 acres or the gates of the White House, I was responsible for overseeing and managing that trip, working with the White House military office and Secret Service, as well as White House staff on the ground to make sure that the president was always safe, always taken care of, and that every event was executed uh, to the best of our ability. And that even entailed negotiation uh, overseas. So we would do something called a pre-advance, which is go about a month before the president would go with a very small group, and we would negotiate with foreign delegations and foreign nations on what the president would and would not do. And some of those uh, I remember very well, like when I went to North Korea, even that morning before the president crossed the line to DMZ, a very small group of us went over into North Korea for the negotiation to iron out everything. And there's some things I really want to tell everyone, but I can't. But I was there. I was in country in North Korea negotiating with the North Koreans on behalf of the president of the United States, uh, as well as my boss, uh, who was the deputy chief of staff of operations. And we hammered everything out. And it was a great visit. And I also did visits to Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, Japan, Israel. Uh, we've been all over, and I'm very proud of what I was able to do in my time in the White House and serving under President Donald J. Trump, but more importantly, the American people. And there were some decisions that I had to make that could have been costly. I remember we were in the West Bank, and they, you know, the Palestinians wanted to put the Palestinian flag on the president's limo. And we, as this country, we do not recognize the state of Palestine as a state whatsoever. Uh, there is no state of Palestine. We don't recognize them. It's the West Bank. If I would have given the green light to put their flag on the president's limo, that would have signaled to the world that we do recognize them. So it's something that could be that small that could have such you know great and large impact on the world as we know it. These are the decisions that I had to make. Uh, and then very briefly right after that, the president wanted me to serve as the deputy campaign manager of operations on his presidential run. And then shortly after that, he brought me back as a senior advisor. And I had a very great personal relationship with the president, uh, you know, not only a working relationship, but a personal one. Um, and he was able to teach me, you know, things that I wouldn't have been able to learn otherwise. So. 
Well, Max, uh, that's incredible. I mean, in fact, I've talked to a lot of people over the years. I've uh, been working with the Ohio Christian Alliance and Christian Coalition of Ohio back to 2002. I've talked to a lot of political leaders. I've actually met with presidential candidates over the years and people that have worked in and out of the White House. I really never have talked to someone uh, really like the kind of work that you're doing. And uh, some some folks similar, but not really uh, at your age to be on the advance team before a presidential visit. And I'm talking about some really important theaters of operation. We're talking about Iraq and Afghanistan, of course, where we still had troops on the ground. And the president would, of course, visit with the troops, but he was meeting with uh, foreign uh, nationals at, at the same time. Uh, these were important historic meetings. You were part of the advance team. You were helping to to organize that. And knowing how President Trump works, I mean, he had a very small presidential staff compared to other presidents throughout the years. So we know that if you were doing this work, you were doing a lot of work. And our hats are off to you, sir. And what I want to say about the work that you did in the Middle East and you know, of course, Jared and, and the Abraham Accords, you know, as a supporter of Israel, and of course, our organization supports the state of Israel, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we pray for the Israeli people. And, you know, to think about how President Trump did what many presidents promised to do, but did not, the previous presidents did not do, and that is to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And I had the privilege and opportunity the year before the 70th anniversary, always during the 70th anniversary, to visit Israel with Christians United for Israel. And what a wonderful trip that was. I'd been wanting to get to Israel for almost 40 years of ministry, and Kufi provided the opportunity. And what a wonderful trip it was. And uh, to visit to the north and to visit, uh, you know, on the Syrian border in the, in the, uh, the heights, in the Golan Heights, and, and to be in Jerusalem, and of course, uh, you know, to be on um, uh, before the Wailing Wall and, and to take in Shabbat with the Israeli people, which is a wonderful experience. But when I think about how we went by the embassy that was going to be the embassy uh, that, you know, is the consulate, but it was going to be now the embassy later that year dedicated as the recognition of uh, Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Tell us a little bit about that. President Trump did something that every former president said that they were going to do, then kick it back to Congress, and then he'd have to sign a waiver extending it. He wasn't afraid to stand by the Jewish people and move the embassy to Jerusalem. And I applaud the president and his accomplishments with Jared on the Abraham Accords. You know, he took an approach that no other administration in this country has taken, and that is to unify, you know, the outside Arab nations with Israel and kind of leave the West Bank on, on its own island. And it worked beautifully. And now, as, ever, as everyone has seen, has seen to this point, now there's an Israeli embassy in the UAE. This is something that no one had ever even dreamed about. And everyone called him crazy, and they called Jared crazy. But at the end of the day, those two individuals were spot on in their assessment and their approach and how they think that they should handle this. And we're seeing that pay off right now. And now, unfortunately, since Joe Biden has been in office, and he's been nothing but a feckless leader, you now see the state of Israel under attack by Hamas. And we can, you know, we can thank his dereliction of duty and not protecting Israel and standing by them other than saying a few nice words. But I want everyone to remember, Hamas isn't a wealthy terrorist organization. They are a terrorist organization. That money is being funneled to them by Iran and probably a lot of other foreign enemies that we have. But unfortunately, thanks to President Obama, 
we gave Iran, you know, billions of dollars that they then give to Hamas. And now over 3,000 rockets have been fired at Israel. And all, you know, President Joe Biden can do is just say nice things. So we never, you know, with Joe Biden, we're lost. With President Trump, we were always locked on. We always knew what direction we were headed in. And we always knew we had a leader who was unafraid to make the tough decision. And we see that binary choice right now with everything that's going on with the border, election integrity, China, and how they're infiltrating our country and now have assembled the largest Navy. I mean, when you talk about you know, everything else in foreign policy, I mean, th- that could be quite scary if China decides to move on Taiwan and what our approach is going to be. And then is Russia going to start, you know, licking their lips and saying, well, we can go after Ukraine because the United States isn't going to do anything. And then we can find ourselves on an island. So once again, circling back, President Trump was unafraid to make the tough decisions, always stood by his gut, always felt it, went with his intuition, and his intuition, as we can see now, it was always right. You know, when I consider this, Max, that, you know, President Trump was, um, he, he actually was a doer of his word. And what do we mean by that as a Christian conservative and uh, being in the role of the president of the Ohio Christian Alliance and, and looking at a lot of candidates over the years, and hearing their pledges and promises during the campaign that never somehow ever became to fruition. They just were never able to get it done. President Trump did more in four years than most presidents do in eight. Uh, that administration got so much done domestically and, and internationally, and even with strengthening our military, uh, because the military was decimated by the time he got it, uh, after it was defunded. Uh, one of the previous uh, uh, admirals and generals uh, were talking about during the Obama years that uh, the greatest uh, threat we have right now is basically the deficits we're running and that uh, we're not able to to afford our military. We're not paying for it. And so when the president got in, one of the things he did was really ramp up uh, spending and expansion of the military. And we're going to need it, as you said. You you mentioned China. China's on the move in the South China Sea, and, and uh, they may be making a move on Taiwan. I was reading it in Epoch Times today. Uh, there's a great fear of that. Uh, that China is on the move, becoming more aggressive. Uh, the Russians are also uh, doing some saber-rattling. Uh, they said that they didn't want the U.S. to put any of the supersonic missiles into Europe and that that would be considered an overt act uh, and that uh, there would be uh, consequences to that. So these are times in which uh, th- this is no time to really slough off. This is a really dangerous time. And we've got a president currently, Mr. Biden, who is showing some, uh, really, quite honestly, those of us who have had family members who have had dementia, he's had some lapses. There's, there was a number of ger- generals, I think it was 125 previous retired generals and admirals, who signed a letter uh, questioning his uh, cognitive skills as president. Uh, your thoughts on that? Look, I think that they're spot on. And, and Joe Biden is definitely not all there. I mean, look, when I was leading the uh, presidential debate commissions on behalf of the president on the campaign, and I got to meet uh, the former vice president at that point, I've never seen an individual that looks so weak and so frail. And I'm not just saying that because I'm playing into somebody's weird conspiracy theories. It's just factual information and factual things that I saw with my own eyes. And when you look at him behind the podium and you look at kind of the lapses in terms of when he speaks and how long goes by before he can finish a sentence, it's really disturbing. And those generals and and everyone, they're spot on. What made President Trump so great is he was always on. There wasn't a point when he was president that he was ever off. And one of the greatest things about him 
that maybe people don't like so much, but he always kept people guessing. And that is why the United States remained a force, not only in this country, but around the globe. And we were still respected because foreign enemies didn't know what to do with them. I mean, look, look what he did with Soleimani. No one would have taken that chance, but President Trump did. And so then you had all these other guys like Kim Jong-un and other dictators. And even Vladimir Putin probably like, wow, well, if this guy's willing to do that, well, you know, we probably don't want to go ahead and take the chance of doing something stupid. And that's what he was able to do. But what you're seeing from President Biden right now is he's not really leading the country. I, I mean, in my opinion, neither is Kamala Harris. And we have to really wonder who is the individual behind the curtain. And is that President Obama? Uh, because we know he's still with it, and we see a lot of his policies coming back. A lot of his personnel are uh, are in the White House as staffers with President Biden. So it does lead you to believe that Mr. Obama, the former president, is having a say behind the scenes because Mr. President Biden does seem like he's making the decisions. Others are making the decisions for him. And there's been plenty of examples. I mean, he says things like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that. Or, you know, like somebody's actually, uh, he's under guardianship. It's, it's, it's really strange. I mean, look, we have compassion for the man. And of course, as the scriptures say, we pray for him. But at the same time, we're talking about the presidency. We're talking about the executive that has to take make decisions, moment-by-moment decisions for national security, including the nuclear football. I mean, look, you know, the national media can uh, play uh, footsie all they want and not throw him any hardball questions or ask the serious questions. The American people are not stupid. I know you've been working the district in the 16th. What are people telling you about the status of things, Max? They're extremely worried. And this has always been a talking point. Republicans and both Democrats have used about saying this election is everything. Well, yes, we've been saying that for years and years and years. But people need to wake up because this election actually is everything. And I'm not just saying that because it's a cute talking point. I'm saying it because if you look at what's going on right now with cancel culture and critical race theory and some people, you know, within our own state not going through with Title IX, it's embarrassing. I mean, these are real issues that we need to focus in on and get people mobilized and out there. Because unfortunately, you know, I would love to tell people that one time to federal legislation that will help ban CRT. But absolutely not. We don't want any more government in our lives. People need to wake up and get invigorated and motivated and say, I don't want to teach my son, you know, that he needs to feel guilty because he's inherently white. Or I don't need to teach my son because he's black, that people need to treat him nicer or better. I mean, literally, I went to Shaker Heights High School. I believe it was over 50 percent minority. I never looked at my friends for one second and ever thought, man, you look different than I do. Because I didn't see color of skin. I saw a person. That's but right. You teach, but when you teach kids to look at color of skin instead of the individual, you yourself are creating racist ideology in that young man or young woman's life. And these are the things that we have to fight and fight every day for. So to answer your question, top-line issues right now are those. Not to mention, everyone is extremely worried, besides that we're headed into you know, uh, um, you know, being a Marxist nation, but open borders. And election integrity. These are these are issues that we really need to solidify and to make sure we stand strong. And that's why I'm running for Congress. You know, Anthony Gonzalez took a vote about a month and a half ago uh, for the farm workers bill for I believe it was over one million illegal immigrants to gain to gain amnesty to this country. Oh my! So to put that into perspective, uh, and we're gonna, you know, at a time where our border is just wide open and it's a humanitarian crisis and a national disaster. 
you cannot take votes like that. There's a time and place for everything. And if our nation thinks that we can benefit and that this will help our economy in time to come, then so be it. And maybe you can take another calculated approach to that issue and that piece of legislation. But now is not the time to be doing that. You can evaluate that later on. I mean, it said, I believe the other day, and I'm sure the number will only get higher, but 1.1 million illegal immigrants will enter into this country this year under President Biden. Now, to put that into perspective, Chris, the largest county in Ohio is 1.2 million or just above it. I mean, if you frame it like that so people can really see it, then that makes a difference. It's all about messaging, and we need to get better at that. Well, we do. That's exactly right. We're talking with Max Miller. He has announced that he will be a candidate in the 16th Congressional District primary, and that will be happening in 2022. And he's working uh, the district right now and talking to people all around the 16th Congressional District. He has been endorsed by former President Donald Trump, who said this. Max Miller is a wonderful person who did a great job at the White House and will be a fantastic congressman. He is a Marine veteran and a son of Ohio and a true patriot. The president went on to say current Representative Anthony Gonzalez should not be representing the people of the 16th District because he does not represent their interest of their, of, of, or their heart. Max Miller has my complete and total endorsement that came from President Trump. And, of course, he was here in the, the rally in Lorraine just a few weeks ago and emphasized, reemphasized his endorsement of you, Max. And so we're so glad that you came on the program and making yourself accessible to the voters. How can people follow you on your website? They can follow me at VoteMaxMiller.com. I also have a Twitter handle, MaxMillerOH. And then we're also right now in the process of developing our Facebook and Instagram but as well, you know, I'll be at some events even uh, you know, this week. I have a Medina meet and greet tomorrow from 11 to 1. Uh, Friday, uh, sorry, Saturday, excuse me, I'll be at the Medina picnic uh, at noon, and then I'll be at the Lincoln Day dinner in Summit County. And then on Sunday, I'll be at the, at the Parma picnic. So I am out there. I encourage everyone to come out. Uh, I'd love to meet everyone uh, in district or even outside of the district to get people motivated uh, you know, to go to the voting booth. But not only go to the voting booth, but help stop some of these dangerous Marxist socialist policies that are infiltrating our country. As I had said before, we really, every, it, it, I mean, it really does, it's a team effort here. Not one person can do it alone. And people need to realize and wake up, you know, from this woke culture that's going on all around us and take action. Because if we don't, we will lose our nation. Yeah, you know, America, we haven't been around that long and we've seen very powerful countries fall and we don't want to do that. And I personally am not going to sit by and watch it happen. Max, I want to thank you for coming on the program. I also want to thank you for your service to the White House and to our country by serving President Trump as a senior advisor and one who led the advanced teams uh, and worked with the advanced teams as he went and met with international leaders. What a great role that you played. And again, thank you for your service uh, to our country in that way. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate being on. Thank you. All right. God bless you, my friend. Well, I'll see you Saturday night because I'm going to be at that uh, banquet as well. I've been invited to give the invocation that evening. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. I'll see you there. We'll see you then. Thank you. 
Well, again, if you missed any of today's program and our interview with Max Miller, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. It's also on podcast on our platform. And again, just search Ohio Christian Alliance or go to ohioca.org. Stand by. On the other side, we'll be talking to Laverne Gore. She's a candidate for the 11th Congressional District Special Primary, again, coming up August 3rd. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's 